please turn to page number 88. Page number 88. This is my father's world. We'll sing all three verses as we begin this morning from page number 88. Sing out with me on that verse. 83. I'm looking at this and saying 88. I need to learn how to read. It's page 83. This is a joke, okay? So I'll just, since I already messed up, may as well just do this. So in the choir room, I was saying page 88. I don't know why 88 is stuck in my head, but it's 83, okay? That's why they're all laughing at me. I already did this once. Okay, page 83. This is my father's world. Let's sing it out on that first verse together. Begin. This is my father's world. And to my listening ears, all nature sings and round me rings the music of the he was trying to correct all that was it just gets worse the older you get amen and so might as well embrace it now amen i'm glad we're not a perfect people but god is faithful amen and uh sure thankful thankful that you're here uh this morning and it's been kind of a little uh crazy with the rain and and things like that and so we've got uh the internet uh in uh, uh has gone uh, out and so uh, people have been trying to work on that for uh, the live streams, unfortunately, there might have been a lot of people this morning that let weather dictate their spirituality, and they were thinking, I'll just stay home and, and watch live stream. Well, no, you're going to have to listen to the recorded version, amen. Uh, but uh, uh, anyways, we've got that going on, and then we've got the choir loft back here. We've got uh, some water leaks uh, in the roof back there, and so the back row are the men, and they, I guess God thought they needed a little shower this morning, amen. And so that's kind of leaking, but listen, we're here. And it is dry for the most part uh, in here, and it's certainly nice and cool, and I just want to thank the Lord for the rain, amen, and we do uh, need that. Uh, certainly when you look at the scriptures, the rain is the blessings of God. 
So anyways, in my Bible reading this morning, the disciples were uh, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ and everything that they witnessed, and they said this, we have seen strange things among us. So this morning we may leave with the same thought, it just may not be over the same thing, amen, Uh, the strange things. But listen, you're here, let's pray, we need the Lord here this morning, and let's ask God to bless our services today. Let's be reminded He's still the audience, He's still faithful to sing unto Him, and looking forward to preaching uh, this morning. And so let's pray this morning and ask God's blessing uh, this morning. Brother Alan Quinlan, would you pray for us this morning, brother? Once you be seated uh, this morning, I did just want to mention a, a few announcements and, and things like that. Certainly tomorrow, very important uh, day as Faith Baptist School will be kicking off uh, for the year. And so that uh, school starts tomorrow at 8.30 in the morning. But do want to make sure that our parents are aware that Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday will all be half days. And so they will be dismissing uh, at noon. And then, of course, Thursday, August the 17th, they will... Uh, we will be starting our full days. And so just wanted to remind you of that. And then also next Sunday, August the 20th, we will be hosting missionary Jonathan Switzer to South Africa. And so he's going to be here uh, in the Sunday school hour uh, presenting and teaching our Sunday school class. And so uh, we will do our best to try to combine our classes, uh, the pastor's class, as well as the foundation builder's and even the teen class can, and can certainly uh, be in uh, here for that. And then, of course, in the evening service, he'll be preaching uh, and, uh, our evening service at 6.30 uh, that night. Of course, there'll be our Bible study still at uh, 6 o'clock. And then also wanted to make sure that our ladies were aware that Tuesday, August the 27th, is, or I'm sorry, August the 22nd, Tuesday night, is the ladies' meeting. And ladies, make sure that uh, you bring soup or salad Uh, to that meeting as they'll be starting off now that summer has come kind of coming to an end here so it's not all the way come to the end I'm not ready to give it up yet all right so uh, but anyways I'm ready for the kids to go back to school that's fine then that way I can really enjoy summer amen all right amen stand with me again if you would let's turn to page 444 and that is the right page number all right 444 Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Let's sing all three verses this morning. Blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. Heir of salvation, purchase of God. Born of His Spirit, washed in His blood. This is my story. Perfect submission, perfect delight, visions of rapture now burst on my sight, angels descending, 
bring from above echoes of mercy whispers of love this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long this is my story this is my song praising my savior all the day long perfect submission all is at rest. I in my Savior am happy and blessed. Watching and waiting, looking above. Filled with His goodness, lost in His love. This is my story, this is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. is worthy of our praise. Amen. Let's turn to page number 213 now. Page number 213 this morning. Holy, holy, holy. We'll sing all verses again this morning. Page 213. Sing it out on that first. Holy, holy, holy Lord God shake hands together this morning and have each one of you here glad for those visiting back with us again this morning
Page number 213, if you lost that page number. Page 213, we'll sing that last verse together. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty. On that last verse, page 213, sing it out with me this morning. Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, all thy works shall praise thy name in earth and sky and sea. Holy, 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 merciful and mighty God in three persons, blessed Trinity. Amen. Great singing so far this morning. Brother Tim. As the men come forward for the offering, I'd like to read to you from Ephesians chapter 3. He says in verse 20, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, world without end. Amen. Brother John Ellis, would you pray for the offering this morning? Today could be the crowning day. Amen? Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Let's all stand together. Page 660. Page number 660. Is it the crowning day? It could be today. Let's sing it out on that first verse now. Jesus may come today. Glad day, glad day. And I would see my friend. Dangers and troubles would end. If Jesus should come today, glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? I'll live for today, nor anxious be, 
Jesus, my Lord, I soon shall see. Glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? I may go home today. Glad day, glad day, seems like I hear their song. Hail to the radiant throng. If I should go home today, glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? I'll live for today, nor anxious be. Jesus, my Lord, I soon shall see. Glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? Faithful I'll be today, glad day, glad day, and I will freely tell why I should love him so well, for he is my all today, glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day, I'll live for today, nor Now, besides getting more opportunity to share the gospel, there is nothing, nothing that I love more than wanting to go home to be with my Lord. And I think smiles should be on some faces this morning. And we need to be a little more excited about heaven and a little less excited about the things of the world this morning. Amen. That second verse says, I may go home today. Wouldn't that be awesome? Home, if you know Christ as your Savior, that is your home. This world is not your home. Let's sing it out this morning like we mean it on that second verse, okay? Lift it up. The Lord is the audience this morning. Sing it out for Him. Here we go. I may go home today. Glad day, glad day. Seems like I hear their song. Hail to the radiant throng. If I should go home today. Lift it up now. Glad day. Glad day, is it the crowning day? I'll live for today, nor anxious be. Jesus, my Lord, I soon shall see. Glad day, glad day, is it the crowning day? We might go home today, amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated. Great singing this morning. Just before the message this morning, Ms. Madison Stewart is going to sing a special this morning.
desire is revealed for nothing means more to me than to know I'm in your will the center of your will is where I long to be no matter where it takes take that message to heart it is very true there is no better place to be than in the will of God for your life well all right I guess I'm the only one that agrees with that let me say that again there's no better place to be than in the will of God for your life that's a little better this morning I know it's a little rainy outside but that don't mean we got to be asleep in here amen well I uh, uh, thankful brother Ben Quinlan preached uh, last week of course I was at Berean uh, Baptist Church and it's always to me, it's always more difficult to preach out in, in the sense of prepar, uh, preparing your messages and things like that because you kind of know where you're going to be at home, but then, you know, praying and seeking the Lord, you really got to seek the Lord and, and just have Him speak as to where and what He'd have you to preach on. And I'm thankful the Lord really spoke very specifically on the messages. I ended up preaching two messages in Romans, and I believe the Lord used those messages in, in, a, in a great way. Thankful for that. 
The reason that I bring that up is because I, I feel like he's still using those messages even as we look uh, this morning in, in Romans and, and continue on uh, in our studies here because what, what I found was this, is that those messages jog some things in my mind because really what you begin to find is that as you progress through, there's some things that really contrast as you look back. And, and so we'll probably do some of that this morning and hopefully you'll kind of get an understanding as to what I'm, I'm talking about. But I want to invite you to Romans in chapter number 13 this morning. And let's all stand in, in honor of God's Word if you're able to stand this morning. Romans in chapter number 13. And, and, and we're kind of, you know, getting back into this. I realize we've kind of been out even through VBS and, and last week. Uh, so we're kind of diving back into this. But I do want to bring to your attention, again, just to remind you of the context of the overall book and as to where we're at, we, we know this, that, that chapter 12, chapter 12 is a pivotal chapter in the book of Romans. It changes, if you will, it switches from where Paul is dealing with doctrine and, and specifically the doctrine of salvation. And so it changes in chapter number 12 and we begin to see what I would say is this, the duties of the Christian life. And, and, and so we know this, that once we are saved, he immediately in chapter 12 and verses 1 and 2 deals with this. We are to present ourselves as living sacrifices unto the Lord. And, and so we're to do that. And then as we do, we're also to be striving to be Christ-like uh, in our character, in our, in our daily lives. We're to love one another. And, and we're to... Uh, we're, to, we're, to, we're to even respond to adversity in our life in a different manner than that of the world. And, and, even, and even when it comes to evil, we're to overcome evil with good. I love that verse that ends chapter uh, number 12. And then in chapter 13, we saw this where we're to handle the authorities that God has placed in our lives vastly different from this world. We're to humble ourselves those kind of things. We're to honor them. Uh, even in verse number 7, we're to render therefore to all their dues. Uh, we're to tribute to whom tribute is due. Custom to whom custom. Fear to whom fear. We're to pay our bills. Those kind of things. Honor to whom honor. We're to pay our taxes. All of those things. But here's what I want you to grab. In light of what is said, in light of what is said in verse number 7, verse number 8 that we're going to begin with this morning, it begins with this. Owe no man anything but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, and there is, but if there be any other commandment, it is be briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now look up here. Look up here. We love ourselves. We love ourselves. And what he's saying is this, we ought to love our neighbors as ourselves. Look at what he says in verse 10. Love worketh no ill. To his neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. 
and that knowing the time, that now it is high time to awake out of sleep, Faith Baptist Church. That's in the Greek there, that means even if it's raining outside. For now is our salvation nearer than when we believe. Now listen, if he said that then, don't you think it's even nearer now? Now we could keep reading here, but I actually, we're going to stop. There, there's, I don't know, I'll probably end up with part two. It's usually how it works. I only have one point this morning. Somebody say amen. But really, I just thought it would be good to kind of cut this off and focus on verses 8 through 10 because here's what I want you to catch. Look, look at what he says in verse number 8 again. Look at how this verse begins. He says this, O no man anything. And again, that's in light of what was said in verse 7 about our taxes, our bills, those kind of things. And, and then he says this, and notice there's a comma here, and it says this, but to love one another. So he says, Oh, no man anything but to love one another. Do, do you not understand? Please catch this. It is a play on words. And what he's saying is this, is that we're not, we're not, to, be, we're not to be in debt to men financially, but watch this, but we are indebted to men to love them and to show them the love of the Lord Jesus Christ. So here's what I titled the message this morning. Are you fulfilling your debt? Not financially, spiritually, in loving your neighbor as yourself. In fact, really, all of this that ends the chapter is basically dealing with this thought or this idea of fulfilling the debt that we owe to love uh, others. Father, would you bless the preaching now, and I ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Why don't you be seated uh, this morning. Appreciate you standing and honor God's Word. During our uh, missions conference uh, this past year, uh, we were winding down our time with uh, Brother Jeff and Miss Esther uh, Glazeman as they finished up our, our missions house. And I, I got to be honest with you, I don't, I don't think we can brag enough on them. Uh, they'd done a, a tremendous uh, job and, and certainly were a, a wonderful influence on our people uh, while uh, they were here. They, they actually, you know, that was back in April of this year. They were actually with us uh, as, as early as December of the previous uh, year. So they spent about five months uh, with us. And so I had uh, met with the men. I knew that that time was kind of coming down uh, to a close. But I just uh, met with the men because I wanted to convey my heart on the whole thing. And I, I really, I told our men, I said, I feel like this. I, they have been here with us for a, 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 a you know a, a, a good while. Uh, they have done a tremendous job. They have saved us a tremendous amount of money, and so I really wanted to give them a a, a really nice size uh, love offering and to be a blessing to them to show our appreciation uh, unto them. To which our men agreed, and I, and if I certainly told you the amount, I, I think our church would agree on all of those things. I don't remember if I did all that or, or whatever, but here's. Here's what happened. I had Brother Glazeman scheduled to speak at our men's prayer breakfast on that Saturday morning uh, of, our, of our missions conference. And so I came early that morning and uh, got the church van out and was going to pick him up and then go over to the hotel and pick up uh, the Dice uh, family and, and those kind of things. And so, or Brother Dice there. And so I pulled up in the parking lot and Brother Glazeman gets in the the van, and he, he's got to do devotion that morning at the Golden Corral restaurant, so he was much more awake than I was. 
And so he gets in the van, and he goes, he, he looks at me, and he, and he says something along the lines of this, well, preacher, I got a curveball for you this morning. And I went, great. I'm not sure I've had enough coffee for this, but go ahead. And so he says to me, he says this, he says, whatever you were thinking about giving to us, I want you to give it to Jack and Lizzie Parker, which are our missionaries to Japan, and that we're just starting out on deputation. And he was right. That was a curveball. And, and so, it, listen, it, you, you want to talk about messing up my plans, because I'm a planner, and I don't, don't mess up my plans. And so he had messed up my plan. I went to breakfast that morning. I was completely distraught. I needed more coffee, but I did manage to eat, amen, and eat too much. And I'm, thank, I'm thankful that as I was praying that Sunday morning, I remember praying that Sunday morning and just going, Lord, you, it's been a blessing to have the Glazemans. I want to do something. And God began to impress it upon my heart. And, and fittingly so, since the missions house was dedicated to, to missionaries Howard and Eleanor Quinlan, we were able to give him and Esther a whole bunch of sanctified handshakes that Sunday night. And if you don't know what a hand, sanctified handshake is, that was Brother Howard Quinlan... That was a handshake with a little cash in there, amen. And uh, that was a that was a blessing. But here's why I wanted to here's what I wanted to tell you. And I want you to listen to this. After the prayer breakfast that day, that morning, Brother Glazeman caught me in the parking lot that afternoon. And he and he said this. He said, I don't I, I want to tell you why why I did what, what why my, me and Esther wanted to do what, what we wanted to do. And I said, okay. And he said this, he said, years ago, he said, when we were finishing, or actually when we were first started out on deputation, he said one of the first conferences that they were in, the guest preacher preached that week, and at the end of the week, they, they gave him a nice love offering, and he looked at the host pastor, and he turned around and pointed to Jeff and Esther Glazeman, and he said this, he said, you need to give it to them because they need it worse than I do. And Brother Glazeman said, you know what? He was right. We did need it. And so as that pastor was a blessing to us, we wanted to be a blessing to Jack and Lizzie Parker. Now I want you to listen to this. And I want you to, maybe if I could put it, maybe in better words as to what Brother Glazeman was saying, here's what I believe he was saying. I can never repay that guest preacher for the love offering that he gave us, I am forever indebted to him for that. But I can attempt to repay it by showing the same kindness he showed us to other missionaries that the Lord brings across our path. Is anybody getting that this morning? You understand what I'm trying to say? What, what I'm trying to illustrate to you, what I'm trying to illustrate to you is this, is that that is exactly the principle that the Apostle Paul is trying to get across in our, our text this morning when it comes to the love of Jesus Christ. You, you understand, we're indebted to that. We can never pay it, but we can pay it forward, so to speak. It is interesting to me, now I want you to, I want you to think about this. It is interesting to me that when you go back to Romans chapter 12 in verse number 1, he is beseeching them. He is begging them by the mercies of God to be a living sacrifice unto Christ. Now, you understand, he doesn't beg them by the grace of God. 
He doesn't beg them by the love of God. Rather, he begs them by the mercies of God. Well, why? Because there is an intention there. You, you remember, mercy is not getting what we do deserve. Folks, we deserve hell this morning. But praise God for the mercy of God. And so the idea is this, is that when you begin to understand how wicked you are, and we are wicked, but also how merciful God is, then the only logical reasoning that would then come about is this, is that we would then present ourselves as living sacrifices and begin to live for the one who died for us. That is why the verse ends with, it is our reasonable service. It is logical. It is simply the right thing to do, to lay down our lives for the one who died for us and has been merciful to us. So, so you understand, but here's what I'm trying to get across to you. That, that though he only mentions the mercy of God at the beginning of chapter 12 and verse number 1, that doesn't mean that the grace of God and the love of God was not involved in our salvation. It most certainly was. For by grace are you saved through faith. Well, friend, by the grace of God we get to be saved. And listen, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Somebody say amen this morning. God loves us and God has been good to us. And again, we can never repay that love. But we are indebted to it. We are indebted to it, friend. And we can pay it forward, so to speak, in our treatment of those around us. And that is what Paul is trying to get across here in our text. Now listen, before, before you and I go too far this morning, I think... I think there's some things that we need to be very, very clear on here, as always, as we look here in the book, in the book of Romans. When you look at verse number 8, and you see where it says, Oh, no man, anything, but, but then it goes on to say this, but, but, but to love one another, and it speaks of a spiritual debt that we owe. You can't help but begin to think about this, that this is not the only time in the Scriptures where a spiritual debt has been brought up. In fact, go with me to Romans in, in chapter number 15. And let me point something out to you here. In fact, both of these are in the book of Romans that he mentions here. But let me say this. There is a debt to the gospel and missions. Look at Romans 15 this morning. Look at verse number 25. <clears throat> he says, But now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. For it hath pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia to make a certain contribution to the poor saints which are at Jerusalem. It hath pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. Now, now let me just kind of explain here. Paul's talking about this offering that he was taking up for the saints in Jerusalem who were in a famine and of course as a result of that suffering at the time so he takes up a collection from the churches of Macedonia and Achaia churches like Philippi and Berea and Thessalonica, Corinth uh, 2 Corinthians chapters 8 and 9 deal specifically with this but, but here he gives the cause uh, or here uh, the, these gave here these gave to this 
uh, this cause because Paul's message to them in verse number 27 was this. They are debtors. They are debtors. In, in other words, they were indebted to the church at Jerusalem. Well, why? Because this is the church Jesus Christ started. And it was from, the, and it was from here that the gospel would go forth. Had it not been for the church at Jerusalem, had it not been for them, those churches in Macedonia and Achaia would have never got the gospel and even exist. The point is this, we still have the same debt when it comes to the gospel. And when it comes to missions, I think about our Sunday school class and going through the trail of blood and seeing how the gospel of Jesus Christ went across and spread across Europe and eventually came to America. And let me help you with this, friend. Much like it was spread in the book of Acts, it was spread all the way across Europe and into America. It was by persecution. And you understand, but, uh, listen, and had it not been for the faithfulness of those saints, we would not be here today. And, and, and so we owe a debt. I said we owe a debt to support, uh, to send forth missionaries and support missionaries and church planners financially. We can never repay the debt, but we can sure try. We can sure try. Now something else is this, and probably many of you are thinking about this, but I would say to you this, there's a debt to sin. Go back with me in Romans to Romans chapter 6 in verse number 23, and let me point this out to you as well, because at the very end of chapter number 6, Paul, Paul clears up what I would call some stinking thinking. All right, because he, and he, when he says this in Romans 6, 23, he says, for the wages of sin is death. That's what he says. Now, now you understand, that this was in response, all right, this was in response to how the Gentiles had interpreted or misinterpreted the principle that's mentioned in Romans 5, 20. If you're there in 6, 23, if you go back up to verse number 5, or chapter number 5 and verse 20, it says, moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound. But where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. Now, aren't you glad for that verse? Now, obviously, now, come on, obviously, we would interpret that to mean this, that no matter what sin is in your life or what you have done against God, please catch this, the grace of God is available to you. Come on, you can be forgiven, you can be saved. Listen, His grace is sufficient to cleanse you and to make you a child of God. It doesn't matter what you've done or who you are. You can be forgiven. Listen, where sin abounds, praise God, grace does much more abound. But, but you understand, the, the problem was this, is that the Gentile believers had twisted this into meaning this. If grace abounds where sin is, then I should sin more so I should get more grace. Now obviously we'd go, we would look at that and go, man, that's messed up. Well, absolutely, but, but you understand, that's what they were thinking, friend, because that's why Paul starts out chapter 6 when he says this, what shall we say then? Shall we continue in sin that grace may abound? And here's what he says in verse 2, God forbid. You know why? Please listen to this, because he clears it up at the end of the chapter when he says this, what, 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 what is the end result of more sin in our lives as believers? It's not more grace. The wages of sin is this, death. Now, you understand, 
So, so he makes it clear there. But here's, here's the greater thought here. Now stay with me. Listen, wages are what you earn. Right? Wages are what you earn. And death is the end result of that. Well, here's why. Because you can never repay back what you earned in sin. It's a debt that you owe. It's a debt that you owe. In the end of that, in the, in the end of that, listen, debt, debt, that debt of sin is on your spiritual account. And at the end of this life, man stands before God. He is judged and sentenced to an, an eternity in hell for his debt. But here's the good news. Look at Romans 3 or 6:23 again. He says, For the wages of sin is death, but the verse doesn't end there, does it? It goes on to say, but the gift of God is eternal life through our Lord Jesus Christ. Somebody say amen this morning. Listen, please catch this. Please listen to this this morning. God doesn't need you or me. Well, preacher, you just don't understand who I am. No, you don't understand who you are. God doesn't need you or me. Listen, He is, please listen to this. He is independent of who He is in and outside of us. But praise God, He loves us. And be a fact, the Lord Jesus Christ would even go on to tell us this, that hell wasn't even created for you and me. It was created for the devil and his angels. This, this means that it was never God's intention for man to spend eternity there. This is why in His great love... He would send His only begotten Son to die on the cross of Calvary for our sin and to take our place. And listen to this. He would rise again the third day proving that He is the Son of God, but also that His sacrifice on the cross of Calvary, it is sufficient to pay our sin debt. To wipe it away clean. To have it marked paid in full. All we got to do now is simply humble ourselves and come to Jesus Christ by faith, trusting in His work that He did for us on the cross of Calvary, not in our own work. It is as simple as Romans 10, 9 and 10, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised Him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Folks, here, listen, please listen to this. I'm not trying to put you to sleep this morning, but what I am trying to get across to you is this is that how in the world are you supposed to love other people and to show them the love of Jesus Christ when you don't even possess it in your own life? There's got to be a time and place where you humbled yourself and God dealt with you and you turned from your sin and who you are and you trusted Jesus Christ as your Savior. Listen, you cannot, you cannot share the love of God with somebody else if you haven't even partaken of it yourself. How are you supposed to tell? You can be forgiven of God. You can know. You can, you can be right with God. How do you tell anybody that when you don't even know God's love in your own life? You, you understand? That, death, that debt of sin has got to be forgiven, friend. And you've got to come to Jesus Christ and, and be forgiven of your sin through His love. And then, and then when you've received His love, now, see, you can go out and go, hey, I'm indebted to man. I've got to tell them how to be saved. And that is what Paul begins to deal with in our text this morning. So go back to Romans chapter 13 real quickly and let me, let's look at this. Romans chapter 13. Let, let me look at verses 8 through 10 again. He says this, Owe no man anything 
but to love one another. For he that loveth another hath fulfilled the law. For this thou shalt, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not kill, thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not bear false witness, thou shalt not covet. And if there be any other commandment, it is briefly comprehended in this saying, namely, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Love worketh no ill to his neighbor, therefore love is the fulfilling of the law. You know what he's saying here is this. Listen to this. You and I are called to love mankind and we are indebted to treat them with value. Now let me show you how I came up with that. I want you to take your Bibles and go to Matthew chapter 22. Just quickly this morning. Paul brings out a great thought here. But you can't give Paul the credit. You've got to give Jesus the credit. In Matthew 22, in Matthew 22, Jesus is approached by the Pharisees. And one of their lawyers poses the question, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And so in verse 37, Jesus responds with this. And he, Jesus said, said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart and with all thy soul and with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And then he goes on and says this, And the second is like unto it, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now watch this. Now watch what he says. He says, On these two commandments, loving God, loving your neighbor, on these two commandments, Hang all the law and the prophets. Did you catch that? Now let me explain. Now let me explain what he's talking about here. Now watch it. Now just now now just think with me. Most of you, you, you know this. You know probably the Ten Commandments. If we just took the Ten Commandments and we broke them up, here's what you would have. The first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God. And the last six commandments have to do with our relationship with man. So now watch this. So here's the first four. Here's the first four commandments. Thou shalt have no other gods before me. Idolatry. Thou shalt not make unto thee any graven image. Thou shalt not take the name of the Lord thy God in vain. And then it says this. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Talking about church. Well, in the New Testament... Okay, now watch this. If we truly love God with all our hearts and souls and minds, guess what? You'll fulfill all four of those. No, no, no. You really love God, you'll clean your mouth up and quit taking His name in vain. No, you really love God, you'll be in the house of God like God tells you to. That wasn't even in my notes. That was free. But maybe you need to hear it. Because I'm just telling you right now, it really kind of discerns where your heart's at. But I'm just telling you, if you love God, you'll, you'll do those things. Anybody catching this? No, 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 because here's the thing. Here's the, here, here, here's, it, because the same, the same principle applies to our relationship with men. See, here's the, six, here's the six that has to do with men. Honor thy father and thy mother. Thou shalt not kill. I can't, I can't believe these are so bad that we can't have them on our courthouse anymore. Sorry, that was sarcasm, rolling eyes, whatever. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. 
Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet. Please listen to this. If we love our fellow man as ourself, we'll fulfill those commandments. In fact, listen, what I'm trying to get across to you is this. Please catch this. This is exactly what Paul is drawing. Paul is drawing the same conclusion that Jesus gave during his earthly ministry, but specifically geared towards our relationship with mankind. See, see, if we truly love our neighbor as ourselves, then, well, we'll not commit adultery with another man's wife or daughter. You ever think about that? That's another man's wife or daughter you're thinking about. That, that's another man's wife or daughter you're looking at on the Internet. Hello? That, you, you understand? If we, if we truly love our neighbor, then watch this. We will not kill our fellow man. We will not steal from our fellow man. We will not lie against or lie to our fellow man. We will not covet or try to take what belongs to our fellow man. Truly, truly love is the fulfillment of the law. It is the fulfillment of the law, whether it be our relationship with God or our relationship with man. But watch this, watch this, because this is what I want you to catch. Please grab a hold of this. Throughout the book of Romans, if you've been here for the messages, then you know this, that Paul would oftentimes switch back and forth between dealing with the Gentiles and the Jews, and the Gentile believers and the Jewish believers. And what I want to say to you is this, is that though the Jewish believers are not directly mentioned here, this is obviously the ones that this is directed at because, well, he's bringing up the law and fulfilling it. And in verse number 10, here's what he concludes. He says this, Love worketh no ill to his neighbor. It's interesting. That word ill, here's what it means. Worthless. It means worthless. But when you truly love your neighbor as yourself, then it doesn't deem him or her worthless. Rather, it deems them as having value. Oh, man, come on. Stay with me. Please listen to this. This is what I want you to, I'm just telling you I, want you, to, I want you to think about this just for a minute, all right? Just quickly, and I just want to point something out to you, and we're going to be finished here in just a second. But I want you to go back to Romans chapter 11 and verse 28. Romans chapter 11 and verse number 28. And look at what it says, okay? Look at what the Bible says. Man, it's like pulling teeth this morning. I should be good at that, though. As concerning the gospel, 1128, as concerning the gospel, he says this, they are enemies for your sakes. All right? Now, now, now look up here. Look, look. What Paul is doing right here in this chapter, please catch this, he is confronting the spiritual pride of the Gentile believers and their treatment of the Jews. The, though the Jews view them Okay, though the Jews view the Gentiles as enemies because of their faith in the gospel, what he's saying is this, the Gentiles aren't to view them in that same light. 
Rather, they're the mission field. They need the gospel. And, and you understand, now watch this, there's a tremendous application there to us in our attitudes towards those that despise us in our day and time. That we're not to view them as our enemy, but rather our mission field. And it doesn't, no, no, no. And it, so, so, so it doesn't matter what color their hair is dyed or, or how many tattoos they got or whatever piercings they have or the ungodly lifestyle that they are living in. No, my friend, they need the gospel of Jesus Christ. But now, see, now we're in chapter 13. Now watch this. Now Paul is dealing with the Jewish believers. And if I could say it like this, you know what he's doing? He's flipping the tables, so to speak. And now he's dealing with the Jewish believers here. He addresses them who, watch this, who have a tendency to go back to that pharisaical mindset and look down their noses at other people and deem them worthless, less valuable than themselves. And here's what he's saying. You owe a debt. You owe a debt. Because Jesus Christ loved you in your pride and in your self-righteousness and saved you even when you wanted Him crucified. Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Is anybody getting this? So rather than continuing in your same pride and self-righteousness, show your neighbor the same love that Jesus Christ showed you. <laughs> Even if he or she is some ungodly Gentile. Listen to this. They still have value to God. God loves them and God wants them to be saved. He sent his son to die for them just like he sent his son to die for you. And if you can be saved, they too can be saved. I, I know we'd never have that problem here. In fact, here's what I wrote in my notes, and I underlined it because I think it's pretty important, but when you kind of consider everything, especially from what we've seen in Romans 11 and even 12 and presenting ourselves as living sacrifices and now this, I would say to you this, that once again we are challenged with the principle, this principle as believers. Listen to this. How we view ourselves before God has a tremendous impact on our obedience to Jesus Christ. When we humble ourselves and realize how wicked we are before God, but also His mercy towards us and salvation, then it just becomes our reasonable service that we would live for the one who died for us. To present ourselves as living sacrifices. But also this, when we humble ourselves and realize how wicked we are before God and His love toward us, and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, 
then it ought to cause us to also deem those around us as valuable to Him because as God loved us and wanted us to be saved, He loves them and wants them to be saved. Man, preacher, that is really good preaching. Amen. I mean, man, you got my mind going this morning and working. That was awesome. I guess I'm going to amen myself since nobody else will. Let me help you with this. Because I've seen both sides of this. I've seen Baptists have a pharisaical attitude. Years ago, I was preaching a preacher's meeting in Missouri. I was still pastoring in Missouri. And they had a guy from Kansas there. He's a young guy. Did a good job preaching the Word of God, and it was a blessing. Got to know him a little bit, you know, and talked to him a little bit. I guess it probably wasn't even about a year after that, I heard that he had resigned from pastoring the church that he was at, and I thought, man... He was doing a good job, and it was, you know, they, uh, things were happening and stuff. I thought that's that's odd, and I didn't I didn't know why or what had happened, it's, you know. I just pray for him. That's all you can do. But but I begin to I, I found out later on what happened, and what what happened was this. Well, the, how I found out was that the church had reached out to another preacher friend of mine that I knew very well who was in who was in Kansas, and they reached out to him to find to help them find another pastor. And I thought, well, okay, you know, and he and, he and I were talking, and he said, yeah, he said, he said, he said, yeah, brother. He said, I didn't know what all was going on. We reached out, or they reached out to us and asked if we would help and said, yes, yeah, sure. And he said, I didn't realize what was going on until, uh, until one of our men, one of our men in our church was actually going to be out of town and working in that area. He worked, on, worked in the oil field. And so he said, well, since, you know, we're going to be in that area. I'm going to go ahead and go to church on that Wednesday night. And we got one of our guys that's from our home church that's there and fill in the pulpit. And so we'll go in and be a blessing to them and those kind of things. And in fact, he said, you know, he said, he said while, while I was there, I started inviting a lot of my coworkers from the oil field and things like that to go to church with me on a Wednesday night. And, and many of them agreed to go. Said, well, we don't have, you know, we're out of town. We don't have anything else to do. And we'll, we'll go to church with you. And so they went. And, and this is what happened. They came into the church, many of them in their work clothes, and none of the members of that church walked up and welcomed them. None of them shook their hand. In fact, they looked at them very disdainly because they couldn't believe that they were in the house of God in their work clothes. And I, I look, and I, I get, I, I think we ought to honor God. Everything that we do, even down to how we dress and those kind of things, all for that. But I also think this, I think when, when a guy's been working on Wednesday night and comes to the house of God in his work clothes because he wants to make it a point to be faithful to the things of God and hear the preaching of God's Word, I think God understands those things. So they left the church that night, and, and he said this. He said, you know, a lot of the guys that are, you know, the pastor was telling me, he said a lot of those guys that uh, one of our men was witnessing to, they said this, they're, they're not, they're, they, they just seem not ever go back to that church or any other church for that matter. That's a sad, that's a pathetic testimony. To look, to look down your nose at other people 
and to not show them the love of Jesus Christ. I, I, listen, I think it ought to be a shame if somebody walks into Faith Baptist Church and they don't get their hands shook and loved on and hugged on and curled. And I, I, no, no, I'm, not, I'm not saying that that doesn't go on here. I'm glad it does. And if anything, I would say that it ought to be like the church in Thessalonica that we heard in Sunday school, that we ought to abound more and more in that. I said we ought to abound more and more in that. That we would encourage one another and love one another and welcome one another in and things like that. Even if it is a little rainy outside and our flesh is tired and those kind of things, we'd still love on one another. Still think that. Still believe that. Because here's what I do know. Is I know that when, when God's people have a pharisaical attitude and deem people around them worthless... It has a negative impact on the gospel of Jesus Christ and, 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 its, and its influence and its impact on, on the lives of lost people. But I also know this, that when God's people humble themselves and realize they're nothing but a bunch of wicked sinners who've been shown the love of Jesus Christ, and so they begin to manifest that towards other people, it has a tremendously positive impact on somebody being saved. We're pastoring and pastoring in Cassville, and, and I, I, I think I've shared this testimony before, but, but I remember when this, this young family came into our church, and, and uh, the wife was, was legally, she was legally blind and couldn't really see, couldn't see to drive and those kind of things, but she could see to walk around for the most part and things like that with her eyeglasses and stuff like that, and so they had, I guess, two or three kids, I can't remember, and, 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 and the husband came in, and he's this big old burly uh, guy and he had I think he had like cut off shorts and and a shirt with uh, the sleeves cut off to show his muscles but he really didn't have very many muscles and he had a mohawk and he had these big spacer things in his ear I mean listen he looked like somebody right out of a biker's gang just parked his Harley in the parking lot walked in the house of God it was awesome and they walk in and here's what I did I walked right up to him and said hey how you doing my name is Wes Stewart I, I pastor Bible Baptist Church here and Casper, glad to have you this morning. I went up to him. I wasn't not trying to toot my own horn or anything like that. Just sometimes I just do that just to let them know I ain't scared of them. You're trying to scare me, but I ain't scared. Well, a little bit. But right now I'm in public, so I'm safe. There's a dark alley, it might be the other way around. I did, and I just and they oh, they sat down. They were part of our services. The next Sunday they came back. I was kind of shocked. They heard me preach, and they came back. Then the next Sunday, they came back. Two weeks later, I think it was a morning, I think it might have been a morning or evening service, I can't remember, and, and the wife was in the nursery with, dealing with something with her, one of her kids, and she started talking to Natalie about the gospel, and Natalie led her to Christ. She called on the Lord in the nursery. Church jail. She got saved. I sat them down, and I took them through the basic Bible truths, and the guy had a testimony of salvation. He's just really, just not obviously not where he needed to be with the Lord. They came in. He was going through basic Bible truths. This was funny. They came in one morning, and all of a sudden, he had let his hair grow back out and got a haircut like a grown man. And he had took his spacers out, and so he didn't have anything in his ears. And he was kind of dressed halfway, you know, decent, and, and came in. And Natalie goes up to him and introduces herself because she didn't even recognize who he was. And we all just died laughing. It was hilarious. I, don't, I want you to listen. But I baptized him and her. And they became members of the church. 
Now, again, I'm not, I'm not trying to toot my own horn or anything like that because it wasn't just me. It was a whole host of the church people coming up and just loving on them and things like that. And I want you to listen to this. You, I, I, I firmly believe this. The outcome would have been vastly different had we treated them some other way. I believe that. Look, look. look. Uh, this is what I see out in the world. People are mean. People are mean. And you know why they're mean? Because they're selfish. I've seen people flip out over the, some of the dumbest, pettiest, smallest, smallest things and just, just lose it on somebody. And the reason that they do is because they're selfish and it's all about them and they have not once considered what's going on in the other person's life. And they just lose it. And, and you know what Paul's saying? Here's what Paul's saying. He's saying this, children of God, listen to this. We better be careful about that attitude out there coming into our lives. And then we start treating people with a pharisaical attitude and looking down our noses at them and deeming them less valuable than we are because of how they live or what they look like or whatever the case may be. No, listen to me. God deems them incredibly valuable. So much so that He sent His only begotten Son to die for them. And if He deems them valuable, then we ought to. In fact, here's the way Paul looks at it is this. We're indebted to Him to show them that love. Can I ask you something this morning? Have you taken care of your sin debt? Because that's where it starts. But if you have, are you trying to fulfill this debt? I know we never will, but I think we ought to be doing everything that we can too. Let's all stand.